Oh, what a week it was for Global Impact Catalyst. Would you join me right now in just celebrating what God has done over this last week? And also let's thank our missions team and our volunteers and everybody who served last week. Incredible. We had 37 ministry partners from our city, our nation and around the world representing 11 states and 16 countries. And we heard story after story of God at work advancing His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, and there were many steps of faith that were taken. I know, I know some of you even now are still wrestling with a, a specific calling, a specific step of faith that God has placed on your life. And we just are continuing to pray that God would, would raise us up to live this mission for the sake of, of His glory and the gospel being known throughout the world around us. I, I do wanna let you know this as well. Uh, over the past week, four individuals that we know of from right here at Shades placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the first time at GIC. So there is much, that's right, there is much to celebrate. It has been a tremendous week and we are incredibly grateful. And we're now gonna turn our attention to the Word of God in John chapter 17, as we're gonna wrap up a portion of the scripture that we've been walking through. John 17 is the prayer of Jesus. And, and we've seen over the last few weeks that one of the beautiful gifts of the prayer of Jesus is it, it really highlights and lays out before us the heart of Jesus for His followers. Well, we know that Jesus is praying this prayer as the cross is right before him. He's praying this prayer, knowing that his followers are listening. And so he's, he's sharing his heart as he prays to the Father and he's showing us what matters most to him as he knew his time in the flesh on earth was coming to an end. So today we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up this this prayer, this portion of scripture, we're gonna look at three specific verses, John 17, beginning in verse 24 through the end of the chapter, verse 26. And I would like to invite you, if you're willing and able to stand with me all around the room as we, as we turn our attention now to the word of God. If you're new to Shades, the reason we stand for the reading of God's word is so that we all can be reminded, this is our foundation. The Word of God is the foundation for the people of God. The people of God stand on the firm foundation of God's Word. And we see in the scripture what God says is right and good and true. So listen to what the Lord lays before us through this prayer of Jesus, John 17, 24. Father, I desire, Jesus prays, that they also, my followers, my disciples, that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, Jesus prays, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the prayer of Jesus. Let's consider this prayer together and invite the Lord to speak into our lives through his Holy Spirit and then we'll be seated. So let me pray 
to that end. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for this gift of being able to gather in the name of Jesus and turn our attention to your holy inspired word. It is my prayer, Father, that you would use this word to do work in us. That you would use this word to read us, to show us what we need to see, to tell us what we need to hear. And Father, we pray that as we lean in now, as your spirit moves among us, that you would be honored and glorified through it all. And that we, we would receive what you lay before us as a gift. I pray that we would not be the same as a result of what you say. Have your way among us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. And I want to start just by asking you a simple question as it relates to relationship or loved ones or people in your life. Have you ever had a, a season of your life or a time period of your life where, where for some reason, may, maybe, maybe because of travel or, or, or maybe because of a, a certain circumstance that arose or, or just the season of life that you were in, that, that you were separated from someone that you loved? You could not be with them for, for whatever reason. Could have been a, a health issue. Could have been just, just proximity in a season of life where you were in two different locations. You ever been separated from anyone you love for, for, for an amount of time where, where that, that separation or that distance, it just hurt. Like, you, like, just, like your heart ached. You just wanted to be with your loved one. You just wanted to get to them. You just, you just wanted to be reunited and you actually, you actually felt it because of how badly you wanted to be together. Well, in the summer of 1999, Megan and I were in college at the University of South Carolina. We were falling in love very, very quickly, head over heels in love. In fact, we had been dating for not quite a year and, and we're very much in love as college students. And yet as we, we wanted to be together and loved to be together every possible moment that we could, we both felt strongly that going into that summer, the Lord was actually leading us to both be involved in ministry in different ways. And we were going to be in two very different places doing ministry in different ways. I was going to be headed back to my hometown right outside of Atlanta. And I was going to be serving in student ministry for that summer. And Megan what was going to take a big step of faith. And she was going with, with an organization now known as Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. She was going to go to Santa Cruz, California for a summer project. We we're going to be 2,500 miles away. It's a long way. And y'all, there's no cell phones in 1999, at least not that we could afford. And so we had collected a bunch of calling cards. If you're under the age of 40, just ask someone who's over the age of 40 what that is. And we had said, we're gonna call each other a couple of times a week as we can. But then outside of that, outside of those few conversations for the next several months of this summer being apart, we're just gonna write letters to one another. Letters to be put in the mail. I'm telling you, this was the dark ages back in 99. And right here in this beautifully decorated box, I have a collection of pretty much all of the letters that Megan wrote me when we were falling in love as college students before 
we got married. And in this box, there are a number of these letters that came mailed from Santa Cruz, California that share, gosh, how much we wanted to be together with one another. I mean, I, I've, I've saved all these just as this reminder of, man, my girl loves me. It's awesome. So thankful for that. And I just want to share a little, little snippet of one of these love letters. All right, now I'm not going to give you all of the details. That's personal. But I am going to share just a little bit. This, this one is addressed to me from the love of my life. That's what it says on the return label. And when you open it up, you know, as a, as a college girl in the late 90s might do, every page is a different color here. <laughs> Just to express how much she loves me. And you can read through just some of the things that God was doing in her life and some of what she was experiencing in, in that time serving in ministry. And it's just incredible looking back on all this 25 years ago. But then you come to the end of the letter and when it gets really good. And she writes, my heart, my heart is with you always. My love for you only grows stronger every second. You are the love of my life. She said, I'm praying that you have a great weekend and that you pray for me and that you think about me often. I love you with all of my heart more than you'll ever know. May the Lord keep you safe and close to him while we are apart, you are truly the best. I love you, GBW3. That's, that's my initials. You are my angel. How about that? And then she says, now get off your lazy tail and write me a long letter. Love, <laughs> Megan. And she has never been afraid to just lay it out there. I cling to these letters, just being reminded of falling in love and being reminded of that summer when we were apart and all we wanted to do, can I give this to you, babe? All we wanted to do was get to one another. And that distance absolutely made our hearts grow fonder. And that distance made us realize more and more of, of how much we really did love and miss one another. And we really did believe that going into that summer, if we make it through this summer apartment, we're, we are in this for the long haul. We're in this together. And you know, the rest is history. We've been married now, gosh, almost 23, 24 years. It's just incredible. 23 years, what God has done there. So thankful, so thankful for that love. But but as I reflect on that summer and our time apart, I, I'm pretty amazed to then consider what Jesus, the Lord and Savior, the Son of God, says about his followers as he prays to the Father, knowing that, that he's about to, to be physically removed from his followers who he loves. And he prays with this desire to be with his followers again forevermore. That's John 17, verse 24. I long to be with them. I long for them to be with me where I am in glory, in all of my glory, to see me for who I truly am as the one who has been loved by the Father since before the beginning of time. There is this longing that we see in Jesus 
to be with his people, to, to have his people join him where he is, to have his followers be united with him in, in all of his glory. And this is a theme that Jesus talked about as he knew his, his time on earth in the flesh was coming to an end. He, he said to his disciples on several occasions, I want you to be with me. I, I want you to be where I am going. I want you to look forward to that day. In fact, one of the examples that we see of this is, is in this same scene of the upper room. Jesus is, is praying this prayer of John 17 and in the upper room with his disciples. That's the, the space, the sacred space where he gathered going into the Passover to have a meal with his disciples, to, 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 to introduce them to the Lord's Supper, what we're gonna observe today, to wash their feet, to tell them about what was going to take place through the cross and the resurrection. There is this sacred moment in the upper room where Jesus then prays this prayer of John 17. But if you go back a few chapters in John's gospel, you see another moment in this upper room in John 14, where, where Jesus makes this statement about where he's going and his desire for his followers to be with him. John 14 verse one says this, let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then listen to this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Again, the desire of the heart of Jesus is that his followers would be with him. The desire that is laid out in the prayer of Jesus, the desire that is communicated in the teaching of Jesus is that his followers would be with him in all of his glory. And please hear this, the desire of the heart of Jesus is more than just a desire. It also serves as a promise. It serves as the hope of those who are followers of Christ that this will be our reality. We will be with Jesus in all of his glory if we have received Christ by grace through faith as our savior and our Lord. He is longing, he is longing for us to be with him. So the question I want to put before us as we consider the way this prayer ends in John 17 and see the heart of Jesus longing for his followers to be with him where he is, the question I would just lay before us all is simply this, so why in the world are we still here? If the desire of the heart of Jesus is that his followers would be with him in all of his glory where he is, then why are the, in the world are we still here? If he has gone to prepare a place for us, if there is a, 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 a mansion with many rooms and we have one of those rooms, why are we still here? Well, as we begin to answer that question this morning and prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, I wanna quickly turn our attention to the Apostle Paul and something that the Apostle Paul writes 
to the early church in Philippi, what we know of as the book of Philippians in Paul's letter to the Philippians, there is this incredible statement that Paul makes that gives us some insight into why the followers of Jesus are actually apart for him, uh, from him for a time instead of immediately being with him in glory when the gift of salvation is received. Look at Philippians chapter one. The apostle Paul writes this, Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. And then he says, and to die is gain. Paul writes, if I'm to live on in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. Church, would someone say far better? To depart and be with Christ is far better. This is an amazing statement that the Apostle Paul is inviting us into as, he, as he's inviting us to consider the life that we are living right now and then where we are going if we are in Christ, being united with him in all of his glory for all of eternity. Paul says to be with Christ is far better, far better than your greatest day in this life, far better than your greatest experience in this life. In fact, it is so far better that there is nothing in this life that could come even close to what we'll experience when we are with Christ in all of his glory. To depart and be with Christ, that is far better. But Paul says, as long as I'm here, as long as I have breath in my lungs until that far better day comes for me, it will mean fruitful labor for me. I, I'm desiring, Paul is showing the church, I'm desiring to faithfully serve Christ with all that I have so that other people can see that there is a day coming if you are in Christ that is far better than anything that this world has to offer. This longing for something more, this longing for something better. I'm reminded of the great quote from C.S. Lewis where he writes, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Made for another world. There's a longing in each of us for something more. Now that longing in each of us for something more, it can actually become a, an unhealthy desire where, where we're longing for more of the things of this world. But that desire, please hear this, that desire that is in each and every one of us to long for something more, to long for something better, that actually is a desire that God himself has put on the hearts of men and women everywhere. Intuitively, we know, even on our best day, we know that this world is still not as it should be. Even on our best day, there is this longing for something more than the greatest thing that this world has to offer. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3 says there is a longing for eternity on our hearts. 
There is a longing for eternity on the hearts of all people everywhere. We know that this world is not as it should be. It is broken. It is fractured. It is divided. It is painful. There is struggle. There is loss. There are tears. And we are reminded time and time again that we actually desire something more. We desire something that is far better. There is a longing for eternity on our hearts. So again, we ask the question, why then are the people of God still here? If Jesus desires that we would be with him, if we are longing for that day when we step into something that is far better, why are we still here? Go back to Philippians 1 verse 24. The Apostle Paul writes, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He writes, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. This is an incredible testimony that the Apostle Paul is laying before the church. He says, I am longing to be with Jesus. My life is about Jesus. To live is Christ. To depart and be with him would be far better. But until that day comes, I am convinced to my core, this is the Apostle Paul, I am convinced to my core that I am here for a reason. Until that day comes when I step into something far better, I know God has a purpose for my life. I know God has called me to live this mission. And that is to point as many as people, as many people as possible to the invitation that has already been pressed in on their heart that says, as you long for a day that is far better, Jesus is inviting you to something that is far better. As you long for the things of this world to be right, Jesus is inviting you to another world that is far better. So put your hope in Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Paul says, I am here as long as there is breath in my lungs to point to this good news of a day that is far better. You see, the Christian faith over and over again makes this statement about fulfillment. That's the greatest fulfillment that you will find in this life is when you live this life for the glory of God. That is a statement that is true convictionally to the core of the Christian faith, that, that the greatest fulfillment you will find in this life is when you live this life for the glory of God. What, what does that mean in light of what we are talking about? That means when you live today in light of the day that is far better. When you live today in light of where you will be with Christ forevermore if you have trusted in the gift of salvation. For this month of January, as we walked through 21 days of prayer, as we stepped into our global impact catalyst, there were two specific questions that, that we were laying out to, to be praying through. And many of you have been praying these questions. I'll just remind you uh, of what they've been. We've, we've been asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to see? 
in the midst of my story, in the midst of my circumstances, in this season of my life, what do you want me to see? And then the follow-up is, and what do you want me to do about what you are showing me? What is the step of faith? What, what do you want me to do with what you are revealing? Well, I can tell you this morning, as we come to the end of this prayer of Jesus in John 17, I can tell you that what God wants for you to do and what God wants for me to do is to live today in light of eternity. That's what God wants us to do to live today in light of eternity, to ask the question, am I making decisions today in light of that day when I step into something far better? Am I viewing the world around me today in light of that day when through Christ I am invited into something that is far better? Am I living for what will last beyond this life? Please hear this, this life that we are living, it is a temporary assignment. Years ago when I was first beginning in ministry and first became a pastor, I had a mentor that I respect greatly that, that said to me in a conversation, George, please don't lose sight of this. And all of your excitement about ministry and all your excitement about being a pastor, don't lose sight of this. No matter where you serve in ministry as a pastor, keep in mind, you are always there as an interim pastor. No matter where you serve as a pastor, you are simply an interim pastor. Now Shades, I don't want you to get any ideas or misunderstand me here. I wanna be here a long time. And I'm praying that the Lord gives me 20 plus years serving as your interim pastor here at Shades. But the point is this, the point is this, whatever assignment we have in this life, it is a temporary assignment. It is a temporary assignment that is to be lived in light of our eternal destination. We are to live today in light of that day where we are invited into something that is far better than anything this world has to offer. So, so what does that mean for those who are not a pastor? Well, that means if you're a student, you're an interim student. If you're a teacher, you're an interim teacher. If you're a coach, you're an interim coach. If you're a police officer, you're an interim police officer. If you're a real estate agent, you're an interim real estate agent. This is not your permanent assignment. It is a temporary assignment in light of your eternal destination. And that has significant implications on the way we view what we are doing with each day that we have been given as a gift of grace from the Lord. Why do I say that? Because there's coming a day, church, there's coming a day that is far better than this day or any day in this life where I will step into eternity and be with Jesus where he is and I will no longer be a pastor. I, I will not be a pastor in eternity. I, I, there, I'll tell you what I'm gonna be in eternity. I'm gonna be a worshiper who is a son of the king. That's what I'm gonna be in eternity. 
And so the question is, am I living my life today in this temporary assignment in light of my identity for eternity or, or have actually made my temporary assignment my identity to where I actually am not even living for my eternal identity? The same question should be posed to us all. Are we so wrapped up in what we're doing here and now in this temporary assignment that we've lost sight of our identity for all of eternity where if you are in Christ, you will be a worshiper who is a son or a daughter of the King. I wanna live each day in this interim position in light of that day where I will step into something far better and I will be a worshiper who is a son of the King. There's this amazing scene that is portrayed for us in Hebrews chapter 12 as the the writer of Hebrews just calls us to something greater and calls us to live in light of that day that will be far better. And it says this in Hebrews 12 verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, this is so beautiful. The writer of Hebrews is saying, look at this scene. Look at this, think about eternity and see that there is a cloud of witnesses that is leaning over the balcony of heaven, cheering you on in your temporary assignment and saying to you in your temporary assignment, do not lose sight, do not miss out, Do not misunderstand, there is a day that is coming if you are in Christ that is far better than this day. So fix your eyes on that day. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the the one who is exalted on high, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father and live today. And whatever interim role you may find yourself navigating, live today in line of that day that is far better. Jesus closes his prayer in John 17 by showing us the love of God made available to the world. He does it in a very interesting way. He, he prays this in John 17, 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, And these know that you have sent me and I have made known to them your name. And listen to this, I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, Father, I'm gonna continue to make your name known and I'm gonna continue to show your love to the world. The question is, How will that happen? And the answer is actually right here in the text. 
Jesus will continue to make known the name of the Father and will continue to show the world the love of the Father through the temporary assignments that he has given to his followers until they are with him. It is the people of God that carry forth this prayer to make known the name of the Father and to show the world around us the love that we have received through what Jesus Christ has done. Our temporary assignments, the reason we are here right now is to show who our God is and to tell of what our God has done until that day when we are called home to a reality that is far better. I love what Pastor J.D. Greer of the Summit Church says when he writes, we, we're the paint that makes the invisible Christ visible to our community. In our fellowship, our multicultural diversity, our selfless acts of love, our forgiveness and boldness, we reveal the contours of the eternal heavenly Christ that dwells within us. When local churches equip their people to embody the gospel in the streets, they make the movements of an otherwise invisible Christ visible to the community. Church, this is how we live as an answer to the prayer of Jesus. That we live today in light of that day with a longing for eternity and a longing to be with Jesus in a place and in a reality that is far better while understanding we are here for a reason. We are here for a very short temporary assignment. And this assignment has been given to us so that we would go into the world and call the people around us, wherever we are and wherever God takes us, to a day that is far better, to the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. It's wired on our hearts. Let's live with a longing for eternity. Let's live with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And let's live today in our temporary assignment in light of that day that is far better. And as we do, we remember the gift we've been given through Christ. And that's why we return to the Lord's table today to take of these elements that remind us of the cross of Jesus Christ where he gave his perfect and sinless life as a payment, as atonement for our sin so that in all of our sin and all of our shame could be buried in a tomb and left there so that as our resurrected Savior opened his lungs and opened his eyes to breathe again and defeat sin and death, our sin and our shame stayed in the grave. And we're empowered to live as those who are set free, longing for eternity and pointing people to the good news of what Christ has done. Let's remember this gift, remember the cross and celebrate together as we go to the elements of the Lord's table. Let me pray for us and then we'll open these stations all around the room for you to come and grab these elements. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you 
for the beautiful gift that you have given us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And thank you for reminding us that in the midst of a broken, fractured, painful world, there is a promise of a day that is coming that is far better. And thank you, thank you for giving us the gift of hope, the gift that comes through forgiveness, the gift that comes through grace, through the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. We remember that now as we go to the table and take these elements. So Lord, give us a heart of gratitude, a heart of worship, a heart of remembrance as we long for eternity and as we resolve to live this day in light of that day. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've invited us into. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.